Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks for joining me. Interest in true crime stories is growing, and there are a variety of new outlets for content, streaming and online. CNN's sister network, HLN, rebroadcast the two-hour, two-part Zodiac episode of the documentary series, Very Scary People. This show features interviews with many familiar faces, including retired senior FBI profiler Mary Ellen O'Toole, retired Venetia police detective Pierre Bidou, former San Francisco Chronicle cartoonist Robert Graysmith, Zodiac cipher expert David Aranchak, myself, and others. Episodes of Very Scary People are available to watch on HBO Max. If you don't have access, you can go to hbomax.com to start a membership and watch the show. The Travel Channel series Mysteries at the Museum featured an episode about the Zodiac Killer in 2018. Hosted by Don Wildman, the show also includes an interview with David Aranchak. Episodes of Mysteries at the Museum are currently available on demand with some cable providers. Check your local listings for access in your area. I recently posted an article on my website about my trip to New York in 2019 for a live episode of the Monster Podcast. I was part of a panel which included producer and narrator Matt Frederick, producer Donald Albright, and others. The article also includes an account of my chance meeting with the legendary FBI profiler John Douglas, who shared his thoughts about the case of the Atlanta child murders and more. Douglas clearly did not believe that Wayne Williams was responsible for all of the victims attributed to the Atlanta child killer. Williams was convicted of killing two adult men, but he stands accused of murdering more than two dozen children, some as young as seven years old. Williams was sentenced to serve two life terms in prison. He still claims that he is innocent and is currently seeking parole and possibly a new trial. Meeting John Douglas was definitely a memorable experience, one that almost didn't happen. I was having a drink with Matt Frederick in the hotel bar when I spotted Douglas walking by. I didn't have the courage to approach him, but Matt walked right up to Douglas with an outstretched hand and introduced us. So I was able to meet John Douglas only because Matt Frederick is braver than I am. One question that seems to keep surfacing in many online discussions is, did the Zodiac victims know each other? There are various theories connecting victims Darlene Farron with victims Betty Lou Jensen and Paul Stein. No one has ever presented any credible evidence linking these victims. Betty Lou Jensen was murdered at a Lover's Lane spot along Lake Herman Road in Benicia, California on the night of December 20, 1968. More than six months later, Darlene Farron was killed at Blue Rock Springs Park, approximately two miles northwest of the crime scene at Lake Herman Road. Given the geographic proximity of the crime scenes, 
the homes of the victims, the schools they attended, the places where they visited and or worked, and other locations relevant in their daily lives, the odds are that these victims may have crossed paths before they were killed, in places like restaurants, movie theaters, and grocery stores. Two or more people may move in the same areas and may even know some of the same people without ever actually meeting and without knowing each other. Darlene's sister, Pam, had several theories about her sister's death, which included links to other Zodiac victims. Well, the night that uh, she was killed, she had come over to the house, my mom and dad's house, and I was there with the little baby. He was only 10 days old. She had told my mom that to uh, remember that killing I told you about a few years ago. Well, it's going to be in the paper tomorrow, so don't be surprised. With that in mind, I looked at Darlene and I said, what are you talking about? And she said, never mind, Pam, you get home with that baby. You shouldn't be out. So my dad comes walking in the room and he says, Darlene, are you scaring mom with those horror stories again? You get out of here and get home. So with that, she leaves. She doesn't tell her story because she ends up dead at approximately 10 after 12. But we found out that this was a premonition. I that believe she was going to die based on the fact that someone had been stalking her. I believe that, that the man that killed her is the man that killed Sherry Jo Bates also, which is the stabbing that she's seen. She's seen him get ki- her get killed. So that's and, why he was stalking her. Right. She knew Sherry Jo. Why, if she thought this was a man following her, why didn't she go to the police? Again, I ask you this. Because she probably either seen it. Or she knew about it, and he was either doing something to keep her occupied, not to tell, or she was either afraid. And when it got down to when he killed Betty Lou, which was the girl that Darlene used to babysit for, and her parents say no, but I believe that she did. She knew Betty Lou. Then he kills Betty Lou. Then he kills uh, the other two. Then he becomes the Zodiac. She was deliberate. She was the key to this whole thing. When the occult thing started hitting our family and everyone, maybe she had witnessed a killing uh, down in San Francisco. And then it even crossed all of our mind that she had seen Betty Lou Jensen get killed on Lake Herman Road. No one had ever presented any evidence that Darlene Farron knew Betty Lou Jensen or Sherry Jo Bates let alone that she had witnessed the murders of those victims. Other theories claimed a connection between Darlene Farron and the last known Zodiac victim, cab driver Paul Stein. According to the proposed scenarios, Stein sometimes used his cab to transport Darlene to destinations for reasons unknown. Some people have speculated that she was somehow involved in the trafficking and or sale of drugs. While some information indicated that Darlene was using drugs such as marijuana, speed, and LSD, there's no evidence linking Darlene to any serious criminal activity and nothing which would provide any motive for her murder. Another theory claims a link between possible Zodiac victim Sherry Jo Bates and confirmed Zodiac victim Cecilia Shepard. In this scenario, Sherry Jo was seen with Cecilia in an Italian restaurant in Riverside, California. Sherry Jo was killed in October 1966, and Cecilia 
was killed in September 1969. Both murders would be attributed to the Zodiac, and the killer appeared to take responsibility for both crimes in written messages. The person who claimed that these two victims knew each other came forward with this information decades after the murders, long after the stories of these crimes were reported many times by the media. Of course, it is possible that the informant may have seen the two victims together, but no one has presented any evidence that Cecilia knew Sherry Jo. In 1966, Cecilia was 19 and Sherry Jo was 18 years old. They both attended different schools in the Riverside area in 1966, and they may have crossed paths. But no one else seems to recall any connection between these two victims, and there's no evidence that Cecilia had ever commented on the brutal murder of a friend. Any theory connecting Sherry Jo Bates to the Zodiac victims becomes problematic when we consider the fact that many people including investigators in the Riverside Police Department, do not believe that Bates was a Zodiac victim. If that's true, we have to deal with a lot of implausible scenarios. Sherry Jo Bates and Cecilia Shepard know each other at the time they are both attending schools in Riverside. Sherry Jo is then killed by an unknown individual. The murder remains unsolved, and then someone the killer, the future Zodiac, or some other unknown third party sends several messages which are attributed to the killer. Cecilia apparently doesn't mention the murder to anyone. More than two years pass, and Cecilia is now in Northern California, more than 400 miles north of Riverside. Cecilia and a friend decide on a whim to drive to Lake Berryessa, where they are attacked by someone who is not the Riverside killer. The Berryessa attacker leaves a handwritten message at the crime scene and also sends to local newspapers several letters which are attributed to the Zodiac. Then, someone at the Riverside Police Department sees the news reports about the Zodiac and concludes that the Zodiac may have been responsible for the Bates murder. At least one handwriting expert concludes that the Zodiac was responsible for the Riverside writings, and investigators believe that he may have killed Bates as well. Then, the Zodiac appears to take credit for the Riverside murder. I do have to give them credit for stumbling across my Riverside activity, but they're only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. Now remember, all of this is in a scenario where the Zodiac did not kill Sherry Jo Bates, meaning one person killed Bates and made no effort to link the crime to the Zodiac, and this person also sent several messages which were later attributed to the Zodiac. While investigators concluded that the Zodiac had killed Bates, then the Zodiac killed Cecilia Shepard, and he made no effort to link the crime to the Bates case. But the two crimes are linked by some investigators, despite the fact that the Zodiac did not kill Bates. This is more than a series of bizarre coincidences. All of this seems 
highly implausible at best. A scenario in which the Zodiac did not kill Bates, but was responsible for the Riverside writings, raises other questions. In that scenario, the Zodiac wrote messages falsely claiming to be responsible for the Bates murder, and then later killed someone Bates had known. Coincidence would seem to be a rather inadequate explanation. Cecilia and her companion, Brian Hartnell, had not planned to visit Lake Berryessa that day, so the killer must have already been following the couple before they made the detour to the lake. If the victims didn't know that they were going to be at the lake that day, then the killer didn't know either. But the killer was prepared with his costume, his weapons, and the pre-cut pieces of plastic clothesline to bind the victims. The victims happened to stop at the lake, giving the killer the opportunity to carry out his plan. But he had no way of knowing that the victims would stop there that day. His preparations made more sense if he had pre-selected the location as the ideal place for such an attack and only selected the victims because they were there at the right time. These theories become even more complicated and convoluted if we consider the possibility that the Zodiac was not responsible for the writings associated with the Riverside case. Sometimes, coincidences do happen. As strange as it may sound, the fact is, it is actually possible for two victims who know each other to be killed by one individual who was not aware of their relationship and connection. In 1988, Jeffrey Dahmer moved into a new apartment, and within one day, he had already lured 13-year-old Giesen Sintensumfoam into his new home. Dahmer drugged and molested the boy, but Keeson managed to escape and reported the attack to police. Dahmer was convicted and sentenced to one year in jail. He served 10 months and was then released. In May 1991, Dahmer was still on probation when he entered a mall and approached a 14-year-old boy named Conorak. Dahmer asked the boy if he was interested in posing for nude photographs in exchange for money. Conorak went to Dahmer's apartment and was sexually assaulted. The boy eventually escaped and police came to the apartment, but Dahmer convinced the officers that the boy was his lover. The officers left and Dahmer then killed Conorak. Dahmer was apparently unaware that Conorak was related to Geeson Synthensumfoam. The two boys were brothers, but this connection was not a central component of the crime or its origins. Dahmer simply selected these boys from a pool of potential victims, but the evidence indicated that their relationship played no part in that selection. Of course, it's possible that some of the Zodiac victims may have known each other or moved in the same circles. But I think that people are desperate to make such connections because they are looking for a more traditional explanation with a clear and discernible motive. The idea that the victims knew each other and therefore that that connection must be the basis for their murders may seem compelling, 
And that's obviously a very desirable explanation in its simplicity. After all, that's the standard police investigative process. To search for a potential suspect among those who knew the victims and try to discover any possible connection between the victims. Police have to consider all kinds of scenarios, no matter how unlikely, including the possibility that someone who knew the victims was motivated by anger, greed, or even more unconventional motives, such as a need to eliminate individuals who possess troubling information which could cause serious problems for the killer or other plots which you might read in a mystery novel. We're used to seeing killers acting on those kinds of motives in movies and TV shows, and the heroes discover the link connecting the victims to reveal the killer's motive in the final scenes. That makes sense. It's easy to understand. The victims all knew each other, and they all shared a secret that could expose the killer. So he killed them all to cover it up. Or one of the victims knew his terrible secret, and he killed that individual, as well as many others, just to conceal the true motives for his murder by making the crime appear to be the work of a serial killer with no connection to the victims. I can understand why some people may want to believe that such explanations are valid, and I can understand why people prefer simple scenarios over no explanation at all. For some, it's easier to believe anything than to admit that we just don't know why these crimes occurred or what motivated the killer. If someone were to come forward with evidence that proves that any of the Zodiac victims knew each other, then that would definitely change the story. But as it is, there's no evidence to establish any solid link between the victims and no reason to believe that they were connected in any way. Another persistent theory claims that the Zodiac was a police officer or somehow involved in law enforcement. At Blue Rock Springs, the killer parked behind Darlene Farron's Corvair, and some people think this is a police tactic. Police officers sometimes stop their vehicles behind a parked or stopped car in order to prevent the occupants from attempting to flee, but this tactic is simply common sense. And anyone could figure out that the best way to prevent a vehicle from leaving is to block its only path to escape. Darlene's Corvair was parked in the parking lot of Blue Rock Springs Park. The killer pulled up behind her car and then stepped out and approached the victims on foot. He was carrying a flashlight and directed the beam of light into the Corvair and at the victims. Some people think this is another police tactic, but again, this is merely an assumption. Police officers do use flashlights when approaching a vehicle at night, but anyone who wanted to see what was going on while committing a crime in the dark 
would most likely use a flashlight to see and target his victims at night. Darlene and Mike thought the killer was a cop, and that's a perfectly reasonable assumption based on the facts and the highly unlikely situation where a killer armed with a gun would be approaching their car. Darlene and Mike saw a man approaching the car and carrying a flashlight, like a police officer, and it's possible that the killer intended to give the impression that he was an authority figure, perhaps because he wanted to frighten the targets and prevent them from leaving. Once again, this behavior may seem similar to police tactics, but anyone who was attempting to stage an attack on victims in a parked car at night would most likely consider using the same tactics, even if he had no police training at all. Vallejo police officer Richard Hoffman responded to the crime scene on the night of the murder, and he rode with Darlene in the ambulance. Occasionally, someone online suggests the ridiculous theory that Hoffman killed Darlene in the ambulance, or that he was somehow involved in the murder. The 2007 movie Zodiac includes a rather bizarre and inexplicable scene where Hoffman arrives at the crime scene at Blue Rock Springs Park, climbs off his police motorcycle, and then silently walks around, apparently ignoring the wounded victim, Michael Majot. There's no reason to believe that this actually happened, and the inclusion of this scene in the film indicates that the behavior by the Hoffman character may have been a leftover from a previous draft of the screenplay which may have leaned towards some of the debunked theories attempting to connect the victim Darlene Farron to the Zodiac. There's absolutely no evidence that Hoffman was involved in the murder at all, or that he did anything to Darlene in the ambulance. But some people like to perpetuate this absurd theory because it plays into other theories about a conspiracy and cover-up in the Zodiac murders. According to Vallejo Police Detective Ed Rust's interview for the Monster Podcast, he instructed Hoffman to ride in the ambulance with Darlene in case she somehow managed to share any information about what happened. Robert Graysmith's book Zodiac claimed that Hoffman attended a party in Darlene's home, but Hoffman denied this in an interview for the 2007 documentary This is the Zodiac Speaking. Some theories claim that Darlene was killed by someone she had known. Suggested suspects included her ex-husband, jealous suitors, or even former lovers. Howard Buzz Gordon worked in law enforcement and claimed that he had a romantic relationship with Darlene Farron. He said that the relationship began with sex, but later became more serious. He ended the relationship approximately six months before Darlene was killed, apparently because she and her husband had purchased a home near the house Gordon shared with his wife, and he was worried that the close proximity could eventually cause problems in his own marriage. According to Gordon, Darlene had stopped using drugs while they were together, but she unfortunately returned to drug abuse after their relationship ended. Gordon stated that he did not believe Darlene had dated any other police officers because he believed 
that the other officers would have told him, or that her name would have surfaced in department gossip. Twenty years ago, Darlene's brother Leo said that he did not believe Darlene was killed by someone she had known, but he did think it was possible that the killer was a police officer. Leo couldn't offer any real evidence or reason to believe so. He claimed that Darlene, quote, had cop friends who used to deliver her weed, but he wasn't aware of anyone who would have any reason to kill her. He believed that Darlene was murdered by a cop who did not know her personally, but was jealous. Some people may interpret information linking Darlene to drugs and police as evidence that she was involved in some criminal activity or illicit connections which somehow led to her murder. But the fact remains that no one has ever presented any evidence to indicate that her death was linked to drugs or the police, or that she was deliberately targeted as the primary victim in a crime intended to appear as a random act of violence. Darlene Farron was a real person, with a real life and real problems, and there's no reason to believe that her personal life played any part in her murder. The Zodiac crimes do not indicate that the killer was a police officer or that he had any connection to law enforcement. The killer's marksmanship did not indicate any special training with weapons, and his behavior did not indicate any police training. After the shooting at Blue Rock Springs Park, a man used a payphone to dial the operator. He asked to be connected with the Vallejo Police Department. The operator may have asked the caller for the number of the payphone and the caller's location, as was standard procedure at the time. Once connected with Vallejo Police Dispatcher Nancy Slover, the caller stated that he was responsible for the shooting at Blue Rock Springs Park, as well as the previous attack on Lake Herman Road in December 1968. The man hung up the phone, but it immediately began to ring. The Zodiac apparently did not anticipate this result. On the 4th of July, I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engine as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quite slowly so as not to draw attention to my car. The man who told the police that my car was brown was a Negro, about 40 to 45, rather shabbily dressed, I was at this phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cops when he was walking by. When I hung the phone up, the damn fucking thing began to ring and that drew his attention to me and my car. Was the Zodiac a police officer or someone connected to law enforcement? We just don't know. And at this time, the evidence does not indicate that there is any reason to believe that the Zodiac was a cop. In fact, the Zodiac seemed to hate the police. He repeatedly insulted and mocked law enforcement. And he even claimed that two incompetent police officers allowed him to escape. This 
is the Zodiac speaking. I have grown rather angry with the police for their telling lies about me. So I shall change the way the collecting of slaves. I shall no longer announce to anyone. When I commit my murders, they shall look like routine robberies, killings of anger, plus a few fake accidents, etc. The police shall never catch me because I have been too clever for them. One, I look like the description passed out only when I do my thing. The rest of the time I look entirely different. I shall not tell you what my disguise consists of when I kill. Two, as of yet, I have left no fingerprints behind me, contrary to what the police say. In my killings, I wear transparent fingertip guards. All it is is two coats of airplane cement coated on my fingertips, quite unnoticeable and very effective. Three, my killing tools have been boughten through the mail order outfits before the ban went into effect. Except one, and it was bought out of the state. So as you can see, the police don't have much to work on. If you wonder why I was wiping the cab down, I was leaving fake clues for the police to run all over town with, as one might say. I gave the cops some busy work to do to keep them happy. I enjoy needling the blue pigs. Hey, blue pig, I was in the park. You were using fire trucks to mask the sound of your cruising prowl cars. The dogs never came within two blocks of me, and they were to the west, and there was only two groups of barking about ten minutes apart, and then the motorcycles went by about 150 feet away, going from south to northwest. P.S. Two cops pulled a goof about three minutes after I left the cab. I was walking down the hill to the park when this cop car pulled up and one of them called me over and asked if I saw anyone acting suspicious or strange in the last five to ten minutes. And I said, yes, there was this man who was running by and waving a gun. And the cops peeled rubber and went around the corner as I directed them. And I disappeared into the park a block and a half away, never to be seen again must print in paper. Hey, pig, doesn't it rile you up to have your nose rubbed in your boo-boos? If you cops think I'm going to take on a bus the way I stated I was, you deserve to have holes in your heads. By the way, it could be rather messy if you try to bluff me. P.S. Be sure to print the part I marked out on page three, or I shall do my thing. The Zodiac may have been trying to overstate that hatred of police as cover to distract people from thinking that he was actually a police officer. But the most logical explanation would indicate that his hostility toward law enforcement was genuine. There have been many cases where a police officer turned out to be a killer. Joseph James D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, was once a police officer, and he was responsible for more than 50 rapes and at least 13 murders from 1973 
1986. Gerard John Schaefer was a sheriff's deputy in Marin County, Florida. His career ended when he tried to kidnap two teenage girls, and he was later convicted of killing two other victims, but police believe that he may have been responsible for as many as 30 murders. Mikhail Popkov, also known as the Werewolf, was a police officer who is said to be Russia's most prolific serial killer. He sexually assaulted and murdered more than 80 women and killed one male police officer between 1992 and 2010. Serial killers come from many walks of life, including law enforcement, and it is possible that the Zodiac may have been a police officer, but the available evidence does not support that theory. There are many theories about the identity of the Zodiac, and some may seem like compelling explanations for unanswered questions, but the facts tell a very different story. Produced by Michael Butterfield. Zodiac Voice by John Knight. Zodiac A to Z. Produced for ZodiacKillerFacts.com. If you have questions or comments, send an email to contact at ZodiacKillerFacts.com and follow the Zodiac Facts on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and join us next time on Zodiac A to Z.